you stand for a moment? Come on up. If you, can't open, if you want to open your Bibles to Exodus 20, come on up. Oh. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and show my commandments. You shall not take the Lord your name, your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless, who takes his name in vain, Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For on the sixth day the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be, may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Pray with me as I pray. Father God, we come before you now and just thank you for this word spoken, Lord. Um, I thank you for my daughter who read it. And I, I thank you for your law, Lord, the, the commandments that you've given us, that you are reflected in them and that we would see that in you, that we would see you in your perfect, holy, and good law, Lord. Lord, I lift up this day to you right now and this message that you prepared. Um, I thank you for it, and I just I pray that you just Get me out of the way, and that your word is proclaimed today. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, Catherine. You all have a seat now. Okay. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm Brian, by the way. I'm not Doug. Um, he will be back next week. Um, do something I don't normally do. I'm going to sit down because I tend to go like this the whole time, and it drives me nuts. I'm sure it drives you guys nuts. So, um, today, this summer session we've been in is what Christians believe. And um, <clears throat> today we're going to go into, uh, is religion just rule keeping? That's one reason I sat down, because I knew I was going to be good with that. Okay. <clears throat> so, it's part of, like I said, what, the, what Christians believe and as I prepared for this and prayed about it and, and read through different scriptures uh, on what to talk about, 
okay. <laughs> um, what to talk about, maybe I do need to stand up, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I was, there's so much you could go into. So, so much that we, th this, this topic right here could be a whole summer se series in and of itself. I'm not going to do that, okay? Um, I pray that everyone, that everyone gets at least something out of this today. Um, and if you have more questions and you want to dive deeper into this, um, Jeff over here, he is going to be, he and Adam Griffin, are both going to be doing the foundations class um, on Wednesday, and they'll be go diving a little deeper into this. So if you have time, you're able to, and you have more questions, go to that class on Wednesday. <clears throat> My understanding is there's plenty of room. There's, there's extra room. So. <laughs> um, so again, today's message is religion. Is it just rule keeping, yes or no? The simple answer to that is yes and no. Um, so if you look solely at this passage, it would seem that God is all about rule keeping, right? Um, and uh, do this, don't do that. Um, in today's standards, many people filter themselves through this lens. They see themselves as good and others as bad, or at least them not as bad. Um, if you were to go out and ask people um, what if they were sinners, most likely most in this world would tell you no. Um, and I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the videos by Ray Comfort. I can't remember the name of his uh, ministry. Living Waters, Living Waters yes. Um, if you've seen him on YouTube, I, I highly suggest you do that. It's a great way to kind of evangelize, learn how to evangelize people as well. Um, but if you haven't seen him, he's a guy with a funny New Zealand accent. He goes around usually with a bike and his dog, this little dog in his front basket. And that alone is funny. Uh, but he goes and just ask people. He's like, um, he says, are you going to heaven? He asked that question to them. Um, and many say they are and explain just what I'm talking about. They, they explain why they are, that they're a good person. So then he starts taking those Ten Commandments and asking them, um, do you look at, whether it's a man or a woman, do you look at the opposite sex in a lustful way? Do you, um, do you covet your person, other person's, other people's things? And it starts laying them out, and these people are, they can't say no, because every single, and none of us can say no either, right, to any one of those Ten Commandments. Maybe some days we do better out of them than other days, but we can't do that. We, we, can't, we can't truly answer that, that no, we don't do that. Um, and most of the time, and we are subject to that. I know, I know myself, we can look at other people and say, well, at least I'm not that bad as the guy that just committed a mass shooting. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, I don't think anyone here would do that, right? And in that sense, yeah, we're probably good, but we are really just not as good as him either. There's no degree to sin, and um, God reveals that to us in his, in his word, in the scriptures, that we can't do any of these apart from Christ. We can't do any of the Ten Commandments apart from Christ. Um, and the problem with that, the problem is that people want to see their own, people don't want to see their own true heart, and they don't want to follow rules, right? Um, people want autonomy. People want the, um, and autonomy is the quality or state of being self-governed. We all like that, right? We all live in America. We want to be self-governed, right? Um, personal autonomy, 
the capacity to decide for oneself and pursue a course of action in, one, in one's own life. I'm not gonna ask anyone to raise their hands because I would expect everyone to raise their hands. We all want autonomy, right? Um, let's face it, we all want that. And it's exactly what Adam and Eve wanted. They wanted to know for themselves what the good and evil was. They, they weren't trusting God to show them what it was. They wanted to look at it for themselves. That's why they ate the fruit. Now, you could get into a lot of theological debate on whether or not they would have eaten it anyway without Satan tempting them because they were sinful people. They had a flesh just like you and I. So ultimately, they wanted to know what it was. They wanted to, they wanted to be gods. We want to be our own gods. And that's why we don't like the rules. We don't like someone telling us what the rules are, right? <clears throat> I don't usually give examples of um, my work, but I will for this. Um, I work in law enforcement um, for 10 years, 10 long years. <laughs> I did professional standards, which is internal affairs. Okay, so you would think that the men and women who are out there wanting to serve their community, serve others, would want to be and, and enforce rules on people, correct? That they would want to follow the rules themselves. No, they don't. And, and it gets hard because you see people that just, that, and it's everywhere across the board. Um, it's not just in law enforcement, but it's everywhere that people want, and again, I go back to this autonomy. They, they see, and, and I confess, I can do it too. I, I struggle with it myself, and I have to confess that and fight with that inside myself. But we, we as a society, we as humans, fallen humans, want to have our own, want to make our own rules. We don't like seeing rules put before us. Um, and I could easily just keep beating that to death. And I think, do we all, do we all get that? Can we all agree with that? Again, amen. Um, so we all want to walk around the rules in some way. And so that's um, what we're going to talk about today. That's, that's my brief intro. Um, what we're going to talk about, like I said, is, um, is religion just rule keeping? And I already answered the question. It's yes or no. All right. I'm not going to leave you in suspense. All right. Um, so Catherine read for us in Exodus, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And we're briefly going to look at that in the Old Testament because um, it's important because does it apply to our lives still? Yes, yes, you can answer yes. Um, the Old Testament, that is uh, the law of Moses, also called the Mosaic Law, primarily refers to the Torah, or the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. It is the law revealed to Moses by God. So the moral laws are those Ten Commandments, the thou shalt have other gods before me, thou shalt make unto thee uh, any graven image, thou shalt not make, take the name of the Lord your God by, in vain, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. So, again, in some way, shape, or form, we can look at that and see that we've all been guilty of every single one of those. Um, some, some maybe just today and yesterday and whatever. We're all, we all need to be convicted of that. And we're going to get down into that a little bit more. But look, let's look at the moral law, though. The moral law carries over into the new covenant. It reflects the very words 
Um, it reflects the very character of our God and Savior. Um, therefore, the moral law is, in the words of the Westminster Confession of Faith, a perfect rule of righteousness for those who have been justified by grace and adopted into God's family as his sons. The moral law shows us how to be like our Heavenly Father. It provides a template of what we will be on the day when we truly, when we will be fully conformed to the image of Christ. And not only that, the moral law has the significance of being a restraint to evildoers. People don't always obey, this is a good example, people don't always obey the speed limit, correct? I won't ask anyone to raise their hands again, um, but we don't always obey the speed limit. The speed limit may be 55 on the freeway, and easily you're seeing people go 65. But just like the law we see in the Ten Commandments, it, it's there in front of us. We know, okay, we can't push it too far. And the speed limit, we may go 55, but if the speed limit sign wasn't there, how fast do you think people would be going? It'd be the German Autobahn, right? So this is why we have the law to, to, to point us in the right direction to, and to curve at least curve our sin, right? So um, then we also look at the, the civil laws. Um, these laws are the regulated, regulated the life of Israel as a commonwealth, uh, a body politic. One of their purposes was to set apart Israel as a nation from the nations around her. So the how, what they ate, circumcision, and so on. It, it, was, it was essentially to set them apart, to be different, to show that they were different from all the other um, religions and countries out there. God's people were different, just like we are different today. We are set apart because of the Holy Spirit in us, right? Amen. Um, then we have the ceremonial law. Um, those, are the, those are the mosaic laws pertaining to Israel's worship of God and her ritual holiness as a people set apart to God. Um, and we saw that, and we see that in the sacrifices. We, um, we see that in in the priestly duties and in how they brought all the animal sacrifices and what you had to do um, to be to seek that forgiveness from God for the sin that they committed. And we see that Jesus fulfilled those laws in his earthly ministry. And we're going to see that next in point two. Like I said, I went kind of fast through that because I could have easily, like I said, that could have been a whole sermon and message of itself just on what is the law. Um, and again, that's the other plug to go to foundations. If you have more questions, you want to dig deeper into that. Um, talking point two, is the law abolished with the new covenant? And I just read that. I just said, no, it's not, right? We see, if you open up your Bibles to Matthew 5, starting in verse 1, Starting in verse 1, we see it's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Um, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we see that. Sounds like more, more rules, right? The Beatitudes is, it sounds like more rules. This is what we're supposed to do. Again, it's going, it's, we're being called to obedience. And I'm going to get deeper into that. But Jesus, he didn't, like you said, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And in doing so, he's, he, he's taking the law and in the Beatitudes and saying, this, this is what you're supposed to do. This is, these are the laws, and this is how we expound on them, essentially. And he's asking us to be, because his, his law, oh, sorry, got too far. Um, so he's calling us to, as, as Christians, to, to step out and go above just following the Ten Commandments. But what do we do with that? We go farther, and, and we live a life of sacrifice and loving and showing others Christ. We want, he wants us to go out there and love and serve him by serving others and, and having that compassionate heart, which, again, I can confess I don't have that all the time. And I struggle with that. Um, in verses 13 through 16, um, he expounds on this more. You are, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket or a stand, and it gives light off to the house. And it gives light off to the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your, God, your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So he calls us to be the salt of the light. And again, he's telling us to do something because we are supposed to do something. We... And, in a minute, I'm going to get to why we're supposed to and how we are supposed to do these things. Um, in 17 and 20, 17 through 20, this last part in Matthew 5, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. There you go. The, or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I shall tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Can our righteousness exceed those of the Pharisees? No, it's not, it's not going to happen. Our righteousness comes from Christ, right? That's the only way we're going to be. That's the only way we're made righteous and we're, we're made saved is through Christ. And that's what he's saying right there. The Pharisees, they loved the law, right? They loved the law because it puffed themselves up, for one. I don't believe that they were trying to glorify God. Maybe some of them thought they were. Um, but they, they're the ones that just heaped more laws and more rules on the people of Israel. And... Christ came to show them that they were wrong and that we're wrong if we try to do the same thing. We should not be trying to enforce more laws that we're not, first of all, willing to follow ourselves like the Pharisees. Um, so we see that he came to fulfill the law 
Um, and it kind of hit me, like, why would he, why would he come to abolish the law? Why, because why, he says, I did not come to abolish. So why would anyone think he would come to abolish it? Because some people believe that. Um, why would he do that when his law is perfect? His law is good and, and perfect and holy. So he's not coming to do that. That's why he's come to fulfill it. To fulfill means to complete it. We see this in his earthly ministry. The only one who can live that perfect life, Jesus did it. He fulfilled the law and the prophets perfectly because he was who? God, right? Who is it? You can say it louder. It's in confidence. He was able to do it because of why? He was God. All right, amen. R.C. Sproul says this. Jesus is about... Um, is about to correct the interpretation of the Pharisees during the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what R.C. Sproul said, has comments on this. Jesus is saying that he achieves the purpose of the law and the prophets in the inauguration of the kingdom in his life and ministry and in its consummation at his return. The law is valid under the new covenant when used lawfully, but it cannot be followed rightly apart from Christ. So open up to 1 Timothy 1. Go with me to 1 Timothy 1. We're going to be in 1 Timothy 1, starting in verse 8. It's just three verses. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So who was the law for? He's listed off. Simple answer is sinners, right? He just listed off a bunch of types of sin, right? That's not an exhaustive list. We know that. There's, there's way more than that, obviously. But that's what the law was for, and that's what, that's what, the, good, that's what the good news of the law is if it's used lawfully, understanding that. Now, it sounds familiar. Another chapter, um, go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Verses 6, 9 through 11. And now, Paul is talking in this to the church at Corinth because they had grievances against each other. So they, were, they, were, they had lawsuits against each other, and he's basically calling them out. So in verse, starting in verse 9, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So take one thing out of that. He's listening in both of those verses just now, in both of those passages that we read, He's listing off a bunch of different sins. 
And, and the key is right here where it says, but you um, and such were some of you. All of us were, all of us are sinners, and all of us were unrepentant, unregenerate sinners against a holy God, right? And that's what the law has revealed to us, our sin. And that's the exciting part because um, we, because of who we were, God revealed it to us and changed it. He changed our hearts. He changed who we are. He changed our identity. And that's what we have to look forward to and, and be thankful for and rejoice in. Um, it is, so the law is for us still. When we are not yet saved, the gospel revealed to us changed our hearts. And we saw the sin in ourselves. We now can see the law, the law correctly because it is revealed to us in, our true, in a true heart. So, we see, I'm going to go to Psalm 51. Again, every time I come up here, it seems like I'm really hitting sin. <laughs> but, but it's something we need to be reminded of. We need to be reminded of who we were. Not who we are. Yes, we are still sinners in the sanctification process. But the awesome part is we have, because of who we are, because he can reveal who we were, we now see what we are, sons of the Most High God. So um, Psalm 51. And I, and I read these scriptures. I go here because it's so easily to forget and start to think, like I said in the beginning, that we are, we're better than the next person. We're better than that person. We don't do this or we don't do that. Um, just because we go to church. That's not because we go to church. It's, it's because of what God did for us. And that's, what, that's why I like looking back and seeing passages like what we just read and in Psalm 51 of, of who we are. And so Psalm 51, or who we were. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know, that my, I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear your joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors, transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in the sacrifice, in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good desire in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. 
then bulls will be offered on your altar. So we see in this psalm of David what, what we once were and what God calls us to recognize that, that we are that sinner, that we are that person that's no good as the one next to us. And he calls us to recognize our sin. He uses the law. He uses the Old Testament laws, the moral laws, to recognize that we are not worthy, but to also show what worthiness is, that he is worthy, that he is righteous, and paints the perfect picture of who he is. And that's what we need to be reminded of. Um, and what, because of the life-giving sacrifice of our Lord, we get to proclaim him. We get to recognize the law. Um, so once we're able to recognize our sin, because of that, then we, then we can see the law for what it is, good. We should see it for nothing but that, nothing but that. The law is good. We are bad. I said it earlier, if we, if, we just make a, if we just make it about rule following, it's not about God's perfection, but us trying to manipulate him into our will and our desire. And, <clears throat> sorry, I got lost a little bit. So, if we, if we just look at the, if we look at it solely as just keeping the rules, keeping commandments, what different are we than other churches out there that, first of all, they may be churches, but they're not Christ-following churches. If we look at other churches that are all about the rules, that are all about the LDS church, it's, it's um, grace and then all that you can do. It's, it's all about rule-following. There's, there's plenty of other churches. The, the, Mus- the Muslim church is all about rule-following. There's no relationship. There's no saving grace. It's they're dead religions, and we are in a. We're not necessarily in a religion. I hate saying we're in a religion sometimes because we're in a relationship with God. God's called us to relationship with Him and to follow Him, and we get to practice being holy by following His His rules and His laws. So, what we have to look at is it's the gospel that reveals this to us. We could not know or understand had he not revealed it through the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We would not be able to recognize this had Christ not come, lived that perfect life, died that horrible sacrifice, and then been risen again. And now, because his spirit is in us, we can see the law for what it is, not about the rules only, but about that relationship that God calls us to be with him. And that's what we need to give thanks for, right? Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. So, as I go into talking point three, um, this will go fairly fast. I feel like I'm going really fast. Um, I'm going to call the music team up. because um, we're, we're, I'm moving along faster than I actually expected. So, um, I'm going to call the music team up, have them ready. So, RJ, RJ read the um, James 1, 19 through 27. Um, know, that, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not pro- produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being a hearer, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we could easily go deep into that again, another hour of teaching, which I didn't prepare for, so we're not going to be doing that. Um, but he's calling us, again, the rule following that we want to, because we want to, be doers of the word, be doers of the word, serve like Jesus, keep oneself unstained from the world. This is real religion. Galatians 5, um, we have the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and it gives us another example of what we're supposed to be doing in, in living that in living that life for Christ. And if, if we're trusting Him and seeing Him in everything, then um, we will be we will see our fruit be pleasant. Right? Go to Galatians five, real quick. I called you up a little too early. Sorry, guys. I just wanted more people up here with me. Okay. Galatians 5, starting at 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep from doing the things we do, that we want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, enviness, drunkenness, Orgies and things of these, like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And there and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So we see that not just by following the law, but following Christ and being in tune with His Spirit in us and being in His Word and trusting in Him, we will see the evidence of our life and following the law by the fruits that we produce. When, our produce, when we produce, again, we go to the analogy of the, the good tree and the bad tree. We see good fruit, and we, we enjoy it. It's pleasing to God. The fruit that we have, if it's the bad fruit, it's picked apart and nasty and gross and rotted, that's not what God's looking for. But he, he gives us the opportunity. He paints the picture for us of what he expects of us um, through his spirit, 
through his spirit in us that we were able to do it. And um, that's how we glorify God. So, so yes, there are his rule following, but not for our own gain. Out of obedience and love of God and of his son who gave his life for us through the Holy Spirit that is alive in us. So go out today and every day, follow the rules and love and obedience. And when you fall short, aka sin, repent. Turn away and to God, because it's not the rules that save us. It's, it's the love of the Father and the sacrifice of the Son that saves us. So pray with me. Father God, we come before you now today. And just and again, thank you for this day that you brought to us, Lord. This day that you've made, that um, we get to rejoice and be glad in it. Even in the hard times of the struggles of the last week, um, what, not just me, but I'm sure many people had them, Lord. That we would be able to just glorify you in it and see you in it. Even if we didn't see it then, that we see it now and recognize that you have, you have called us into um, a saving relationship with you, Lord. I pray for those that right now that don't know you, that may be sitting here or listening online, Lord, that um, this message somehow spoke to them that it's not about rule following, that it's not solely about rule following, it's about a relationship with you and our desire your your saving grace in us and our desire to be obedient to you and our only reason we're desiring it is because you are in us and that you revealed to us our sin that people would see that and repent and come to you Lord. it's in your glorious son Jesus name I pray amen